Fan for Racing's NASCAR Weekend Preview, and this is Thursday night, October the 15th, and uh, we've got a big night in front of us for tonight. Joining me as co-host for tonight is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. All right. Thank you, Sharon. Get to preview our first championship battle this weekend with the NASCAR Arkham and Ard Series. Yes, indeed. Uh, We're going to spend uh, a considerable amount of time doing that during our first half hour tonight. I've got audio from both Brett Holmes and Michael Self, the two drivers that are in the lead for that championship title. They're just eight points between the two drivers with Brett Holmes taking the lead at going into Kansas Speedway this weekend. During the second half hour, we'll preview the NASCAR Truck Series, the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series at Kansas. Uh, They'll be racing this weekend. And then at about 9.20, we'll get into the Xfinity Series. And at about 9.40, we'll get into the Cup Series at Kansas Speedway this weekend. Both of those series are uh, racing their first race in the round of eight, so that should be pretty interesting. Then, 10 o'clock is our hot topic sound off with the Fan for Racing crew, and uh, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, there's not as many topics as we've had, but uh, plenty of topics to talk about during that last half hour. Well, I know I still got a couple we didn't even get to the other night. Uh, I know, unfortunately, I messaged with Mike earlier. He said he wasn't going to be here tonight, but uh, I think uh, I think Andy was, was he not? No, Andy got in touch with me. He's not going to be able to make it tonight either. So it's uh, just you and me, I guess. I was hoping Mike could make it. I hadn't heard from him. Uh, but we'll we'll make the most of it. Uh, just want to uh, let's go ahead and get into the Arkham Menard series because you mentioned it. We are going into the season finale for the Arkham Menard series this year, and uh, that will be at Kansas Speedway this weekend. Uh, they'll be racing for the championship, two drivers in particular racing for that championship, and that is Michael Self and Brett Holmes. They'll be racing the Speediatrics 150 presented by the NASCAR Foundation on Friday, October the 16th at 7:30 p.m. Central. That's 8:30 p.m. Kansas. I mean, I'm sorry, Eastern Time. And they'll be racing at Kansas Speedway. So uh, a big night. It will be televised, by the way, on Fox Sports 2. So uh, fans, be sure to set your uh, DVRs for that if you're not going to be able to watch it live. Um, there's a couple of articles, Jay, over at Fan for Racing. I'm sorry, at Arca Racing dot com that uh, are pretty good articles. The first is Brett Holmes versus Michael Self. It's the tale of the tape for championship at the race for the championship race at Kansas. So that gives some really good stats uh between the two drivers uh over this past season. So if you want to compare the two drivers, definitely check out that article. And then number two there's a notebook piece there about Haley Deegan's big weekend starts with the Bounty Rookie title. So that's going to be a big deal for Haley Deegan. Uh, she's certainly uh, on tap to win that Bounty Rookie title 
this weekend at Kansas? Most certainly. Uh, I know we were talking about the points battle for the championship. Haley Deegan pretty solidly in third position behind those two championship uh, leaders at minus 61. Drew Dollar is at minus 86. So got a 25-point uh, gap in between them. A uh, heck of a search season for her in the Arkham Menard series. Four top fives and 16 top tens in 19 starts. So a uh, good, way, good way to start the career. And I know she's doing the double duty with getting her first truck series start this weekend yeah. as well. Yes, yes, uh, and that's going to be uh, huge as well. So I want to start this off, though, Jay, a little bit differently than what we normally do. I do have some audio here from both Michael Self and Brett Holmes. So I'm going to play uh, the, the initial comments here from Michael Self, and then we'll listen to Brett Holmes as we get their take going into the championship race this weekend. Okay. All right. We will bring over the other driver that we are going to keep a very close eye on this weekend at Kansas Speedway. Michael Self, driver of the number 25 Sinclair Lubricants Toyota for Venerini Motorsports. Michael greatly appreciates joining us here this weekend. Um, I, I know we're not talking you to the position that you wish that you were in, but if, if you have to come to a, a racetrack and, and maybe kind of fight from behind a little bit, Kansas Speedway is not necessarily a bad place for you to have to do that at. This is one of your favorite racetracks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely still one of my favorite racetracks, um, even though we, we really struggled there, you know, a couple of months ago in the summer. Um, I think hopefully we've identified what was wrong there and how that scenario was different. You know, that was a really unique position for us to be in as far as racing at Kansas and that level of heat where it was, you know, upwards of 90 degrees, where this week it's, you know, going to be more in the 70-degree area. Um, so that may have thrown us off a little bit, but even given that, I mean, you know, we didn't run well that night, but some of our teammates did finish chain second and third, and so we, we at least have some notes that we can take from them, and, and we've made – progress on our, our program since then. You know, our cars have gotten a little bit better. I think we've identified some things that will will continue to be better, or we at least think we have. So I think... Uh, okay, those are the initial comments from Michael Self, Jay. Any thoughts uh, with regard to his comment? Well, I like uh, the fact that he's realistic. He knows how they ran. But also then it talked about the Venturini team, of having the teammates that he can lean on and the progress they've made so far. Um, and being in a little bit different position, and I know as a, as a reporter I'd hate to have brought it up to him, but being in this position, having the points <laughs> lead last year and losing it to teammate Chandler Smith, so having gone through that battle before, but this time he's the one doing the hunting. Again, being the eight points behind, you pretty much know you go out, you lead the laps, you win the race, from there, it's not on you um, if that type of mentality is a little bit different. Exactly, exactly. So uh, I, I, Michael Self is a talented driver. Uh, he mentioned that uh, the, the race didn't go quite according to plan the last time out, but he has some pretty good stats at Kansas Speedway. So uh, I would not count him out by any means. And like you said, he's got the notes from his Venturini teammates and I think that's going to be really be helpful to him coming into Kansas Speedway. And he also mentioned uh, the temperature difference. Uh, that will make a difference in this race as well. There will be, I think, a little bit more grip 
on the track, and uh, I think that's going to help these drivers. But let's hear what Brett Holmes, the series points leader by just eight points, has to say coming into Kansas as well.
Yes, indeed. Brett Holmes at 23 years of age, Michael South at 29 years of age. They've been exchanging that Arkham Menard series points lead all season. So I guess it is fitting that the title should be decided at the season finale at Kansas. Uh, there will be no qualifying ahead of Friday night's race. So we know Holmes will be in that number 23 Golden Eagle Syrup Chevrolet, and he's going to start second ahead of Michael Self in the number 25 Sinclair Lubricant Chevrolet in his third uh, based in third based on the team owner standings. So again, no qualifying this weekend. Uh, Holmes' third front row start of the Arkham Menard Series season is a welcome. A uh, spot for him, he feels really good about his chances to leave Kansas as a champion. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch, Jay. It is, and as you mentioned, Holmes' confidence is warranted as he won the Don 150 when the series visited Kansas Speedway back in July. Now, Self finished six in that race, as he mentioned, but that was his worst result in five Arkham Menard Series starts at the 1.5-mile paved oval self also has a win at the track coming back in 2017 to go along with a second place finish and a pair of thirds so his confidence is just as high and his relative success over the last five years at kansas suggests that what happened to him in last year's arkham menard series season finale could happen to holmes on friday self in 2019 held a slim points lead over christian eckes going into kansas but lost the title when he finished the second and the latter won the race. So the question this Friday is whether Holmes can keep recent history from repeating itself. And looking back on these notes, I didn't realize that was that close. I told you it's going to be a matter of a position or two. (laughs) It it definitely is. This is a 1.5 mile paved oval. Uh, There will be a practice session, although there is no, qualifying session practice is going to take a place take place at 3:15 local time uh for about 30 minutes and uh we'll cover the crew chief handout the starting field for the speediatrics 150 is limited to 30 so the event will be run under the 2020 arkham and art series rules and procedures regulations and specifications again there's no qualifying the field will be set by the 2020 car owner points plus provisionals. Uh, there's no adding or moving tires to or from the pit box once the race is started, and a maximum of four crew members can service the car, but no tires or fuel can be added outside of the break. The, la- the race, the Speediatrics 150, presented by the NASCAR Foundation, will be 100 laps, as mentioned, 150 miles, set to be run in three segments. The race will have the first break at or near the conclusion of lap 30, a second break at or near the conclusion of lap 60, and then the final 90 laps, the conclusion of the brakes, vehicles will line up in the order they were running at the beginning of the break. The maximum tire allotment available for this event is uh, as follows per the ARCA rulebook. Maximum number of tires allowed in the pit box for use in the race is eight. So Kansas shouldn't come into play as far as a tire uh, situation, but uh, anything can happen. We've seen it in the years past. Uh, You never know what's going to happen at some of these races. Yes, indeed. 
Now, we spent a lot of time talking about uh, Michael Self and uh, Brett Holmes, but there are a total of 18 drivers in this race over the weekend, including those two drivers. Uh, Let's go over the entry list. We'll go bottom up, and I'll start with the first two. In the number 77 is Mike Basham for Chad Bryant Racing Sport, and Mike Struff will be his crew chief. And then Bill Kimmel will be the crew chief on top of the box of the number 69, driven by Scott Melton. All right. Well, Brad Smith will be back in his cell phone, number 48 Chevrolet, Carl Brown as his crew chief. And then we've been talking about the 25 Venturini of Michael Self. The Toyota will be crew chief by Kevin Reed. Then there is uh, our other talked-about driver tonight, Brett Holmes, in the number 23, his cell phone team. He'll be in a Chevrolet, and Shane Huffman will be on top of the pit box. Paul Andrews is on the box for uh, the Chad Bryant-owned number 22, driven by Derek Griffith. Well, one of the drivers they're going to have to contend with will be another Venturini Motorsports machine. The number 20 will be driven by Chandler Smith. Owner Billy Venturini will be crew chiefing for that Toyota. And then, been there battling all year, the 18 at Ty Gibbs under the JGR banner Toyota with Mark McFarlane as a crew chief. And next we're going to go to Dylan Lupton. Dylan Lupton is back, and I'm glad to see him. He'll be in that number 17 for DGR Crosley Ford with Marcus Richmond as his crew chief. And Shannon Rush will be the crew chief for the number 15, driven by Drew Dollar for Venturini's Motorsports Toyota. All right. Another for This one in the number 12 will be Chris Wright. In that Chevrolet, Donnie Richardson as the crew chief, and Troy Galgon, as usual, crew chief in the number 11, Hillenburg Chevrolet, this time driven by Owen Smith. In the number 10 for Andy Hillenburg is going to be Corey Heim. He'll be driving the Toyota with Kevin Reed Jr. as his crew chief. And then Jeremy Petty will be the crew chief for the number 7, driven by Eric Caudell in their self-owned Toyota. All right, the 06, there we see Tim Richmond in the Wayne Peterson-owned Toyota with Brad Fry as the crew chief. And then we talked about her season, Haley Deegan, in that number four, David Gillen Ford, with Seth Smith as her crew chief. Okay, and the number 01 will be Alex Club. That's a Hillenburg Ford uh, with... Brian Club on top of the pit box, and Michael Peterson will be the crew chief for the number zero Con Nicolopoulos driven uh, Chevrolet owned by Wayne Peterson. So there you have it, the 18 drivers that will be racing in the season finale at Kansas Speedway this weekend. So uh, definitely looking forward (laughs) to this race. Now, before we get into the uh, Cup Series, or the Truck Series, I apologize. I want to make sure, Jay, that we also mentioned, you know, the uh, Canon Pro Series East had their championship race last weekend, and uh, Sam Mayer was the victor and the champion, the crown champion. He also won that uh, Sioux Chief Showdown championship. 
uh, and back-to-back championships in the East. The next race for the Canon for the Arkham Art Series West is the Napa Auto Parts 125 presented by CashInTheCan.com. That race will be taking place next weekend, next Friday night, October the 23rd at 9.45 p.m. Eastern Time. That's at All-American Speedway, and uh, that's going to be a big event out there for the West, uh, for the ARCA West. Now, if you're a NASCAR, I'm sorry, an NBC Gold Track Pass member, you'll be able to watch the live streaming of that race, and we'll have more preview of that race on next Thursday night's show. Well, I may definitely still have a points bet battle there. I was just going to hit the top two contenders there from the West uh, while we were talking about it. Jesse Love and Blaine Perkins. The stat lines lead almost identical. And this one is a little bit bigger. It's a 16-point gap there in the Arkham Menard West Championship. That is true. But they are uh, definitely going to race hard for it at All-American Speedway. I believe the finale is going to be at Kern, but I'm I'm not 100% sure of that. Uh, uh, we'll we'll definitely update you on that next Thursday night. Uh, Gracie Trotter has had a, just a fantastic season. It's amazing that we've got two females in third place between uh, the Arkham Menard Series and the Arco West, and uh, both of them have really made some history this season with Gracie Trotter being the very first female to win a race under the Arkham and Art Series banner. So uh, pretty big deal there for Gracie Trotter in that, uh, in that uh, <clears throat> Bill McAnally racing uh, team. And uh, she's just 31 points back from the series points lead, along with her teammate Gio Scalzi and Trevor Huddleston from Sunrise Ford. His teammate Blaine Perkins is in second around so they are both in that top five and trevor rounds out the top uh, five group there can't see how that west championship plays out in these final events and i know that's still a little bit of a fluid situation out there on the west coast sal talked about that last monday i believe yes indeed okay so jay i wanted to leave a little time here for us to go over the series point standings uh, for the fantasy racing uh, group for fan for racing. So uh, let's kind of give an update here on that before we move on. All right. Uh, In the truck series, uh, they are back in action, had a week off there. Andy does have the points lead there, 86 points. Sam is at 78. James is in third now at 70. Uh, then we drop down to Owen at 66, myself uh, at 57, Sharon at 52, and Mike at 47. In the Xfinity Series, this one's uh, gotten a little out of hand. Andy's got 131 points. I am second at 104. Sharon is at 100 even. Right behind her, Owen's at 97, James at 92, and Mike at 80. Sam took a bit of a hit there the last several weeks. He's at 63. And then when we get to the Cup Series, Fan for Racing has their own back-and-forth points battle. 
I still have the points lead at 157, but Andy has 156. One point behind me after this past weekend. Uh, Sam is up to third with 132. James at 114. Owen at 111. Sharon at 101. Actually, I skipped Mike. Mike actually picked up 10 points. He's at 102 and Sharon at 101. So there's another one-point gap. Um, When I look at the overall, these are kind of spread out. Andy's got 373. I'm at 318. And then we get into a pack. James is at 276. Owen at 274. Sam at 273. Sharon's at 253. And Mike, uh, again, did get a late start in a couple of the series at 229. What I did look at, though, did some math. Larry, uh, Larry McReynolds likes to crunch the numbers, so I did some number crunching. Mm-hmm. There's there are a, number four races. Yeah, there's four races left in each series. So each series has 56 points uh, yet that can be obtained. So nobody is out of any of them at this point, although it would take – one winning and the other one getting the zero points all the way through. But mathematically, everybody is still alive, <laughs> as is Mike, even at 223. If he were to get all the points available and Andy were to get none, he could still take over the overall. So nobody has been officially mathematically eliminated at this point. I gotcha. Uh, thank you so much for all that you've done with that all season long, Jay. And uh, I do want to make sure that I do update everybody. There actually, there's the race at All American Speedway uh, that we mentioned next weekend for the uh, Arkham Menard Series West, but they have two more races after that race. So October 25th, they'll be racing at Kern County Speedway. Uh, at 6 p.m. Eastern, again, that'll be available with live streaming on TrackPass. And then November 7th, the Arkham Menard Series will have their season finale at Phoenix Raceway. That race will take place at 2 p.m. Eastern time, again, with live streaming available on TrackPass. Uh, the race this weekend is also available. Uh, I'm sorry. Was that this? Yeah, I think that is this weekend uh, on Fox Sports 1. So uh, that's the race at Kansas Speedway for the Arkham Menard Series. So uh, definitely uh, a lot going on there for the Arkham Menard Series West yet, and then the season finale this weekend for the Arkham Menard Series. So with that, Jay, I think we're ready to go ahead and move on to the Truck Series They're going to be racing uh, the Clean Harbors 200 at Kansas Speedway this Saturday, October the 17th. That race will take place at 4 p.m. Eastern time, and pre-race coverage will start at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. Now, they'll be racing a distance of 201 miles, over 134 laps. The first two stages are 30 laps apiece with the second stage ending on lap 60 and the last stage ending on the last lap, that's lap 134. So that race is taking place on Saturday. Are you there, Jay? Oops, sorry, I didn't realize I had that on mute. 
throw out a couple of notes here for the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series, one of which is on my list for hot topics later on tonight, and that is Zane Smith returning to GMS Racing in 2021. They announced that he will return to the team in 2021 to pilot a Chevrolet full-time. The team will announce the crew chief and sponsor at a later date. And this is Smith's first full-time season in the Gander trucks, and he's put up some pretty good numbers as he has two wins, four top fives, ten top tens, and is currently a round of eight playoff driver fighting for the championship going into Phoenix. And the other note we got here, uh, Bain is going to be finishing out the Gander Truck Series. As he, Trevor Bain, finished second last weekend at Talladega Super Speedway with a much-needed finish in the hunt for a job next season. Bain, who won the 2011 Daytona 500, has been working on his own car to do some local races before Al Neese, owner of Neese Motorsports, asked him to pilot the number 45 truck for his team. And after his finish last weekend, he announced that he will finish out the rest of the year for the team and hopes that some more finishes like this one will land him somewhere in 2021. Okay, so that's good news for both of those drivers. Uh, Definitely looking forward to it. Now, there's going to be some history made at Kansas this weekend in the Gander Truck Series, and because this weekend is going to be the first time that the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series has competed three times at a single track in a single season as the series heads back to Kansas Speedway this weekend for the third time this year. Now, NASCAR has raced three times or more at a single track in a single season in the modern era, twice in the NASCAR Cup Series at Riverside in 1981 and at Darlington again this year, 2020. It has happened 21 times in the Xfinity Series from 1982 to the present. The Xfinity Series holds the record for the most events at a track in one season, with six races at Hickory in 1982. Isn't that amazing? Prior to 2020, the last time a NASCAR National Series raced three or more times at a single track in a single season, well, that was at Martinsville Speedway in 1990 when the Xfinity Series competed three times at the track that season. So uh, history is being made this weekend at Kansas. Well, I always like it when we get a history lesson as well as when we make history. So (laughs) speaking of that, Haley Deegan is set to make her NASCAR National Series debut at Kansas. We talked about this when we covered the ARCA Series. Is that rising star from California, Deegan will be making her NASCAR National Series debut this weekend in the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series in the Clean Harbors 200 at Kansas Speedway. Our truck start with this weekend will mark the 44th different female driver to compete in a NASCAR National Series event and the 21st different female to compete in the NASCAR Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series. Plus, she will also be just the third female competitor competitor to make her Gander Truck Series debut at Kansas Speedway, joining Jennifer Jo Cobb, who did it in April uh, April 28th of 2006, and Michelle Terriel, who did it also on April 28th, 2006. Uh, the first female to compete in the NASCAR National Series was Sarah Christensen in the NASCAR Cup Series 
That was at Charlotte, the old uh, Speedway in Charlotte, North Carolina, back on June 19, 1949. Started 13th and finished 14th in a field of 33 cars. Christian Christensen only made seven starts in her NASCAR Cup Series career, but to this day still holds the record for the best fi- finish by a female in the NASCAR Cup Series competition with a fifth-place finish at Heidelberg Raceway, Pennsylvania, back on October 2nd in 1949. Now, the first female driver to... Yeah, like I said, I love these history pieces. I do, too. Uh, The first female driver to compete in the NASCAR Xfinity Series as Diane Teal back in 1982 came at Martinsville Speedway. Teal started the race 32nd to finish 26th. The best finish by a female in the NASCAR Xfinity Series and all of NASCAR's National Series competition is Danica Patrick's fourth-place finish, which came at Las Vegas Motor Speedway on March 5, 2011. She started the race from the 22nd starting position. Now, when it comes to the Truck Series, the first female to make a start in the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series, that was Tammy Jo Kirk at Walt Disney World Speedway, on January 19, 1997. Started ninth and finished 24th. The best finish by a female in the Gander RV and Outdoor Truck Series belongs to Natalie Decker, who finished a career-best fifth in the 2020 season opener at Daytona International Speedway. Now, Deegan has already accomplished a lot, cutting her teeth in the Arkham Menard Series, as well as the Arkham Menard Series East and West. The youngster has already posted three wins in the Arkham Menard Series West in her career, and this season in the Arkham Menard Series Main Series, she has put up four top fives, 16 top tens, and is ranked third in the championship standings. Now this weekend at Kansas, Deegan will become the second youngest female driver to make a start in the Outdoor Truck Series at the age of 19 years, 2 months, and 30 days, which comes just behind Joanna Long, who was at the age of 18 years, one month, 28 days, when, he, when she made her series debut at Lucas Oil Raceway Park on July 23rd in 2010. A lot of history there when it comes to covering the females. Yes, there is. So uh, definitely looking forward. We already talked about her being uh, the Bounty Rookie of the Year in the Arkham Menard Series. So a big weekend for Haley Deegan this week. So now we're going to take a look at the round of eight playoff drivers going into Kansas Speedway in order of their seeding. Uh, Again, this is the first race of their round of eight. We'll go from the bottom up two by two, Jay. And I'll start with Tyler Ankrum. He's making his fourth start at Kansas this weekend. His best finish there is in 11th place, and that was uh, back in his series track debut in 2019. He has an average start there of 14.7. His average finish, though, is a 24.0. Now, Matt Crafton, the veteran, he's made 21 starts at Kansas Speedway, the most of any active driver in the series. So he has three wins seven top fives, and 12 top tens. He's led a total of 143 laps, and he has an average start of 11.8, with an average finish uh, pretty close at 11.2. He is also the most recent winner at the track, taking home the victory in the second race of the doubleheader earlier this season. 
Well, how about this next one so uh, he isn't cursed at all? We won't let nobody know that Sharon picked him. Uh, ben Rhodes <laughs> makes his seventh start, at <laughs> seventh start at Kansas Speedway on Saturday. In his previous six starts, he has two top fives and three top tens, led a total of 36 laps and an average start of 8.8 with an average finish at 12.2. Brett Moffitt, not quite as many starts. He's only got five at Kansas, posting one top five and three top tens. His best finish came earlier this season, starting second and finishing in the same position. He does have an average start of 7.4, the average finish back up there at the 12.0, and he's also led 36 laps at the track. Okay, next up, a couple of other uh, pretty good drivers here. Grant Infinger, he's made five starts at Kansas in the truck series. He has uh, his two top fives and four top tens, and both of his top fives came earlier just this season. He finished third in both races in the doubleheader weekend at Kansas. He's also led 61 laps at Kansas and has an average start of 10.6, and his average finish, Jay, is 6.4. So Zane Smith has also made his Kansas Speedway debut earlier this season during that doubleheader weekend. He finished in the top 10 in both of those starts. He also has an average start of 8.5, but his average finish is 7.5. So some good stats there for a couple of really good drivers. All right, the top two, Sheldon Creed is going to be making his fourth start at Kansas on Saturday. He has one top 10 in those starts, led a total of 30 laps. He has an average start of 9.0, but his average finish is up at 17.7. So he's going to have to bring that down. Uh, Moving up to the top seed, Austin Hill. He's also made four starts at Kansas Speedway, but he's posted one win, two top fives, and three top 10. His win at the track came earlier this season in the first of that race of that doubleheader in July. In the second race of the doubleheader, he started 15th and finished 6th. Hill has led a total of 85 laps at Kansas, average start of 9.2, and the best finish we've had, average finish, 5.8. Wow. First, first, no, he wasn't first picked. I was going to say he was the first one picked out of the gate, but that's not true. Um Okay, let's take a look here at the NASCAR Gander RBN Outdoor Truck Series playoff outlook after Talbot. Want to go over that, Jay? All right, well, again, they are reseeded uh, as we talked about them there. Austin Hill starts out with 3,028 points and actually is in the tie with Sheldon Creed, but has the tiebreaker from the previous round. They are both 12 points. <laughs> That's not a lot. Wow. 12 points above the cut line. That's tight. Uh, Zane Smith currently sits in third at 3,022, puts him six points above the cut line. Grant Enfinger, 3,019, and is three points up. And, again, they'll only transfer four. Now, that leaves Brett Moffitt, 3,016, is uh, three below the line. Ben Rhodes at 3,014 is five below. Matt Crafton, 3,009 points to start with is 10 below. And then Tyler Ankrum at 3,003 is 16 points below the cut line. 
So what I look at there, though, is even from the very bottom to the very top, only a total of 28 points, which isn't a whole lot in uh, the truck series. I know. It's incredibly tight, but this is the first race of this round of eight, and a lot is going to be determined at Kansas Speedway. There's another 1.5-mile track on the schedule here for this round, but so this is going to be uh, an interesting race uh, for all three of these series. Uh, but let's take a look at the round of eight uh, reset and the kickoff of the uh, round of eight here at Kansas. So prior, let's see, I want to make sure I'm not missing something here. Uh, we know that the truck series had an off weekend last weekend, and we just watched the Xfinity and the Cup series take on the Charlotte Roval. And after a weekend of recouping and repairing, uh, they're now heading out to Kansas Speedway to kick off the next round of the playoffs. So prior to the series weekend break, the trucks uh, took on Talladega Super Speedway in an intense battle between the entire field, specifically the playoff drivers, as the round of eight was on the line there. Now, two drivers were eliminated after Talladega. Those two drivers were Christian Eckes in the number 18 Kyle Busch Motorsports Toyota and Todd Gilliland in that number 38 Front Row Motorsports Ford. Raphael Assard, the rookie, uh, at just 19 years of age, a Canadian and a non-playoff player, won the Talladega elimination race in a wild two-lap shootout that ended early because of a wreck over in turn three. Now, Lassard, the driver of the number four Toyota for Kyle Busch Motorsports, has never won a race before, and he called his first victory win amazing. Now, Saturday's race at Kansas, the Clean Harbors 200, uh, will start at 4 p.m. Eastern time on Fox, again, with MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR radio also available. Uh, again, it's 134 laps, 201 miles and will kick off the full weekend of racing. Now, the series already visited Kansas once earlier this year. We talked about the doubleheader uh, that took place there earlier. Austin Hill, uh, 7 and 24, uh, and Matt Crafton, 7 and 25, were both victorious. So Crafton, the reigning champion, has... um, That means July 24th and July 25th on that doubleheader. The reigning champion has 21 starts at Kansas Speedway. That's Matt Crafton, the most of any other active driver in the series. And he also has three wins. He won there in 2013. He won there in 15, and again earlier this year. Hill, Crafton, and Johnny Sauter are the only three drivers in the field with wins at the track. Now, Chandler Smith in the number 51 Kyle Busch Motorsports Toyota, he's going to start on the pole Saturday afternoon. And Ben Rhodes in that number 99 Thor Sport Racing Ford is joining him on that front row. So uh, this is going to be a great race, I think, for the uh, truck series, and I can't wait to watch it on Friday. Uh, it's certainly going to be in a, this first round, this first race of a round is always very interesting because, again, the sooner you get that win, the sooner you get a little bit of a break. And in this case, you know you're locked into the championship four at uh, Phoenix Raceway. Uh, make sure I don't say Miami Homestead this year. Phoenix Raceway <laughs> for that championship. So, uh, again, each the earlier you can win in these rounds, 
the less pressure you have in the final two or single race. So true, Jay. And you know what? It's actually the first race of the round of eight for all three series. Uh, so next up is the Xfinity series. Uh, they're going to race it. Well, before I go to that, I do have some audio. I forgot about that. Um, I want to play some audio from the NASCAR Truck Series uh, from driver Zane Smith in the number 21 GMS Racing Chevrolet. As we mentioned earlier, he's got some pretty good stats this season, and especially at Kansas Speedway uh, with uh, the doubleheader that took place there earlier this year. So let's take a moment here to listen to what Zane Smith has to say going into Kansas Speedway for the third time this year. Hey, you got me? Hello? Hey, can you hear me okay, Zane? Yeah, I got you. Sorry, I'm on my phone. I no, it's okay. I um, uh, straight from my trainer's house. No worries. We've got you loud and clear. So um, we're now joined by Zane Smith. Um, we'll get right into questions for Zane. If you have one, um, please click the participants tab and raise your hand, or um, feel free to send me a chat. Um, Zane, can you just talk about, um, you know, it was recently announced that you'll be back with GMS and kind of how you're feeling heading into Kansas this weekend. Yeah, so I got the news, um, I guess, on our off week. Um, and so I guess for people that don't know, I uh, racing for, for me has always been kind of like pulling teeth. Um, it's really tough. Um, I feel like for anyone to get a job in, in racing, especially right now, and uh, you just have to, I guess, outdo everyone uh, you're racing to to kind of give yourself a shot at it. But um, So I guess that's been my goal going into this year, and, um, and luckily I, I got the news really early, um, which I think is really rare for uh, not only anyone, but especially for a truck team. So um, I'm just super, super uh, fortunate to have that opportunity for next year and um, take a, a big, big weight off my shoulders going to this final round. So that was what I got told, but to um, not worry about it and um, just focus on getting myself to, to Phoenix. And so um, now I got a, a good kind of pressure on me to uh, go perform instead of uh, a pressure of fighting for my life, really. Okay, that was Zane Smith from GMS Racing, and uh, Jay, he's had such a great year. He set his goal at the beginning of the season, and he's really come through uh, with flying colors with his performance so far this season, and uh, I look for him to have a good race this weekend. Most certainly, and, and talk about that pressure of just that relief of knowing. Uh, we talked about it with Matt Benedetto at the Cup Series level, what he's gone through. But for him to know that already uh, allows him to focus on the championship. Not that he wasn't already focused on that, but like he said, feeling like you're driving for an audition every race, uh, whereas he can really go go focus on the championship knowing he's going to have another shot at it next year as well. Absolutely. So uh, definitely watch uh, Zane Smith this weekend in that number 21 GMS Racing Ford. Up next, we have the Xfinity Series, the Kansas Lottery 300 at Kansas Speedway. Again, this race is on Saturday, October the 17th, in the evening, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, with NBC Sports Network 
having pre-race coverage starting at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, and radio coverage on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR radio. They'll be racing a distance of 300 miles over 200 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 45, stage 2 on lap 90, meaning both stages are 45 laps each, and the last stage ends on the last lap uh, at 110 laps. It ends on lap 200. So with that, Jay, let's uh, move forward with our Xfinity Series review. All right. Well, I'll turn us off here as we look at the uh, Kansas numbers for the playoff drivers. Roll down here again. We'll talk about the whole uh, reseeding points. Actually, should cover most of it, but we'll start here. I'll start with Ryan Sieg, and he hangs on into the round of eight, seated in that eighth and final position for the NASCAR Xfinity Series playoff round of eight standings, starting with 3,002 points. He's currently 23 points back from the championship four-round cutoff, made eight series starts at Kansas, posting one top five and four top ten finishes, and he finished fourth at Kansas earlier this season. Ross Jastain, a little bit surprising here, but he heads into the round of eight, seated seventh in the playoff standings, starting with 3,010 points. That puts him 15 points behind that championship four-round cutoff. The Florida native Chastain has made six starts at Kansas, posting a one top five and two top tens, and he finished fifth earlier this season at Kansas. Okay, next up is Brandon Jones. He arrives to the round of eight seated sixth in the standings at 3,020 points. Jones is right now five points back from junior motorsports driver Noah Gregson in the fourth and final transfer spot for the championship four round. Now, he's made five starts at Kansas. He has two wins there in 2019 and 20, and he has three top tens. Justin Haley jumps into the round of eight, seated fifth. He is 323 points and a mere two points back from junior motorsports driver Noah Gregson sitting in that fourth and final transfer spot for the championship round. Now, Haley has made two starts at Kansas. He's posted two top ten finishes, and he finished sixth at Kansas earlier this season. Well, now we get into the ones that are above the cut line. Noah Gregson is seated in the fourth and final transfer spot, starting with 3,025. Doesn't have a whole lot of breathing room with the just-mentioned two points above the championship four cutoff line. A Las Vegas native has made two starts at Kansas, posting an average finish of 14.0. He finished 15th at Kansas earlier this season. Next one up is junior motorsports teammate Justin Algar. He's headed into the round third in the Xfinity Series playoff standings with 3,033. Now he's got a little bit more breathing room with 10 points above the championship four-round cutoff. And among the remaining playoff contenders, though, Algar has the most experience at Kansas, having made 10 starts, putting up three top fives and seven top tens one of those 10th place finishes came at Kansas earlier this season. Okay, the next two drivers have really separated themselves from the rest of the best, and that includes Austin Sindrick, who is second in the playoff standings at 3,050 points. 
Cindric right now is 27 points above that round of four cutoff, and he's made three starts at Kansas. He's posted one top five finish uh, in those three starts, and he finished runner-up at Kansas earlier this season. Chase Briscoe, of course, is the leader at 3,060 points. He's right now 37 points above the championship cutoff, and he's made three starts at Kansas. Again, he's posted only one top five finish. He did finish at Kansas earlier this season in the 14th place. So it'll be interesting to see what these guys do this weekend at uh, at uh, Kansas Speedway. Next up is well, the... Well, I'm looking uh, through... Go ahead. What's that? Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, looking at the chart, we pretty much covered everything there. The only thing I'd throw in there and add... When we look at why the two that we've talked about, Chase Briscoe has eight wins, Austin Sindrick five, then you get down to Algar with three, Gregson two, Haley three, Brandon Jones three, Ross Chastain on down. That's where you get into the no wins. So, again, they're lacking those playoff points, which help. Yes, they do. We've talked about that quite a bit. Why don't you take the next one? Who's good and who's not so good at Kansas? All right. So three races left to decide who will battle it out at the championship finale title at Phoenix. The round of eight starts at Kansas this weekend in that Kansas Lottery 300. Now, Kansas Speedway, a 1.5-mile track with 17 to 20-degree of bank, variable banking in the corners, 10 degrees of banking on the stretch, front stretch, but only five of, on the back stretch. Front stretch is a total of 2,680 feet long, while the back stretch is a little bit shorter at 2,207. Kyle Busch holds the record for the most Xfinity Series wins at Kansas Speedway with four. Matt Kenseth holds the record for the most poles there with three. Busch also has the most top fives with eight and the most top tens at ten at the 1.5-mile track. Looking through a little bit of history, it was in 2010. The race had 21 lead changes, the most in history at the track. And in 2015, there were only seven lead changes, which is the fewest. Two times in history, the race winner led only four laps. Most recently came in 2017. And Toyota is the manufacturer with the most Xfinity wins at Kansas. Of any manufacturer, they have a total of nine. So obviously, that leads us to Joe Gibbs Racing. They are the winningest organization in the NASCAR Xfinity Series at Kansas with nine victories. The JGR driver Brandon Jones is the only driver entered into this weekend with the win at Kansas Speedway in the Xfinity Series. Now, I talked about earlier this season, the series competed at Kansas Speedway in July. There were five cautions for 22 laps, nine lead changes. Jones ended up winning that race while Austin Sindrick finished second. So I believe, uh, no, I take that back. Jones hadn't been picked yet. Those that haven't picked yet are going to have to keep that in mind. <laughs> yep. Oh, okay, next up, uh, you know, last week we watched a wet and wild uh, race that was an elimination race at the Charlotte Roval. And this week, Kansas starts the next round, the round of eight. It was a rainy and crazy race uh, last Saturday on the Charlotte Roval. 
Uh, the 68-lap, 157.76-mile race marked the last event in the round of 12 and the last chance for playoff drivers to secure their spot into the round of eight. Now, uh, it was a non-playoff driver who won the race, A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, he was his part-time for colleague racing and uh, went back-to-back at the Roval from 2019 and this year. The race had 10 cautions for 24 laps and 14 lead changes among six different drivers. I've never seen anything like that race, Jay. It was it was amazing. Noah Gregson was the highest-finishing Xfinity Series playoff driver in second. Daniel Hemrick finished third. Alex LeBay, a non-playoff driver, as well as uh, Daniel Hemrick, uh, they finished third and fourth. Ross Chastain closed out the top five in fifth. Kaz Gralla, also uh, a part-time driver and non-playoff driver for Richard Childress Racing, won the first stage. And Stuart Haas Racing's Chase, uh, Stuart Haas Racing's Chase Briscoe grabbed the additional playoff point by winning the second stage. The drivers that were eliminated from the playoffs last week were Harrison Burton, Riley Earp, Michael Annette and Brandon Brown, uh, and uh, they'll be racing again this weekend, but not as part of the uh, round of eight. Those drivers, and we've been talking about them, that made it into the round of eight are Chase Briscoe, Austin Sindrick, Justin Algauer, Noah Gregson, Justin Haley, Brandon Jones, Ross Chastain, and Ryan C. Now, Gregson will lead the field to the green, flag on Saturday evening with Cindric joining him on the outside row. Joe Gibbs Racing's Brandon Jones was victorious there earlier this season at Kansas Speedway, locking himself into the playoffs with that win. It's also his second win in a row at the track as he won his first career Xfinity Series race at Kansas back in 2019. Jones is not only looking to win this weekend to get the automatic bid, to the championship four round, but he's also because he would like to join his fellow JGR teammate, uh, Kyle Busch, uh, from 2014, 15, and 16 as just the second driver in series history to win three consecutive races at Kansas Speedway. So a lot to look forward to here as well. And you're right, Jay, <laughs> if anybody from Fan for Racing is listening, that has not made their pick yet, uh, I would say he's the he's one to keep an eye on. Okay, I do have here some audio. I'm going to let you pick, Jay, because there's several people that we can hear from, and I've got a feeling I know who you're going to pick. Actually, there's only two drivers that we can choose from. It's either going to be Ross Chastain uh, from the number 10 Colleague Racing Chevrolet or Brandon Jones in the number 19, Joe Gibbs Toyota. Who would you like to hear from? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I don't know if this is what <laughs> well, you were thinking or not, but being that being that Ross Chastain is the one on the outside looking in, I'd kind of like to see what his thoughts are coming in. Okay, we'll play him first, and uh, hopefully we'll have a chance to also listen to Brandon Jones as well. So here's Ross Chastain from the number 10, Colleague Racing, Chevrolet. Hey, 
okay? Yes, I can. Awesome. Okay, you're sideways on my screen. You'll be this way. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. All right, and thanks for waiting. Um, to the media, we are now joined by Ross Chastain. Uh, into questions for Ross, so um, if you have a question for him, please click the participants tab and raise your hand. Uh, you can send me a chat. We're going to kick things off here with Claire. Uh, go ahead, Claire. All right, well, then we will go back to her. Um, Woody Kane, did you have a question? Yes, I do. Hey, Ross, appreciate your time. Um, tell me about these last few coming up. I mean, your confidence level with them, and, I mean, it's not like uh, – you, you you just started at this, but you know your back's a little bit against the wall. What kind of a what kind of a thought process are you thinking right now when you when you're facing these last few races? Because a lot of these guys have been really fast. You don't get this far without being good. Yeah, uh, for us, we haven't had that you know dominating speed in any one race. We've been really close, and that's that's what will get us to Phoenix is maximizing what we're good at, and we're bringing the same car. You know, I, I really can only focus on one race at a time, uh, and that's about as far as my mental capacity will let me go. Um, so Kansas is what we're focused on. Uh, go maximize everything we can there. Take a well-balanced race car that has good speed and, uh, and execute. And then whenever we come out of Kansas, we'll focus on Texas. Now my, my guys and girls and college racing, they're focused on it. But uh, for me, it's just one race at a time, one stage at a time, you know, and, and really – Okay, there you have it, Jay. Uh, Ross Chastain thoughts going into Kansas, kind of under the gun. Well, I don't know if I buy it that that's as far as his mental capacity will let him go. Uh, I'm sure he is trying his <laughs> best to focus, like he said. You know, at this point, it is one race at a time. You win that race, uh, you automatically move on. So uh, it's a good philosophy. Again, I don't know how uh, true to form it'll hold. You know, that's always got to be in the back of your mind. You know where you're starting out. You know what the hill you got to climb. But I do like his confidence with it. Yeah, Ross Chastain is a confident driver, and, and I agree with you. I think that uh, he he is a driver that when he gets behind the wheel of that car, his focus is entirely on that race, uh, you know, one lap at a time, I guess, uh, as he would put it, and, and one stage at a time. Uh, I think Ross Chastain's going to give it everything he possibly can give it. So uh, a lot to look forward to there as well. Okay, next up, let's listen to Brandon Jones. We talked about how good he is at Kansas Speedway, uh, but uh, he's going to have to do some racing this weekend just to put himself into that round of four. Uh, and uh, he's driving the number 19 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota uh, again this weekend. So let's hear what he has to say. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, today we are uh, joined by Brandon Jones, driver of the number 19 uh, Menards Toyota Super for Joe Gibbs Racing. Brandon had some big news yesterday uh, announcing his extension with uh, JGR and ultimately with us at Toyota, which we're thrilled to have him uh, for another season. And uh, he'll be heading off to Kansas this weekend, where he has obviously had some great success the last few times the Xfinity Series has been. So um, with that, uh, we would ask everybody if you would please use the hand raise tool 
Uh, if you have a question, um, and we will get to you uh, accordingly. We're also recording today's session, and that will be available if you would like the link, uh, or it will also be loaded up on NASCARmedia.com. Uh, Brandon, we will uh, just uh, kick it off with you real quick. Uh, big week, uh, heading into the round of eight, heading to Kansas, and uh, big news yesterday. Just uh, can you kind of put put your week into perspective for us? Yeah, I mean, this is this next half of the season that I'm in, and I guess you could say quarter at this point, um, this has been one of the best I've had in a long time. You know, I mean, I, I came into the playoffs this year with, with some wins, as everyone knows, with some really good runs. Um, I, I knew if I could get past that next round, that getting to this round was going to be awesome. Uh, you know, you mentioned that we're going to Kansas where we won back-to-back this week. Um, so I'm really excited to do that. Um, and to top it all off, um, we re-signed. I'm really, really excited to come back to Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, I've really enjoyed my time there so far. And, um, and people that, that work there enjoy working with, with Toyota closely and um, using, their, using their tools as best as we can to, to get better. And, um, you know, with that, I think that um, it, it would be just, you know, the cherry on top if we get to the Final Four and uh, compete for this championship. And that's what we're going to do. You know, that's our plan. That's our goal at this point. Uh, we made it this far and got some really good tracks coming up. So um, if I can get to Phoenix, they're going to be in trouble, I think. <laughs> uh, I'd say that's some confidence, but uh, real happy for Brandon Jones being re-signed with Joe Gibbs Racing for the 2021 season uh, back in the Xfinity Series. I think that's a good fit for him. That's another one in that position of not only are you battling for a championship for this year, you're set for next year with the same team. You know, you got the same opportunity to come in next year. I, I think alleviates just a little bit of pressure maybe uh, from, from uh, having to worry about what you're going to do next year. I think bodes really well for him. And obviously we went over the stats and going for three in a row at Kansas. Again, getting that win first uh, race of the round of eight would automatically move him in. And that would put pressure on the, on the two and three drivers that think they can automatically coast in on points. Uh, Maybe put a little more pressure on them headed into the finales. Yes, indeed. Uh, And uh, I I like his confidence when he talks about if he does make it into the Final Four, they better watch out for him at Phoenix. So uh, I I think that's fantastic. Okay, let's go ahead and move on now to the NASCAR Cup Series because they're going to be racing this weekend too. The Hollywood Casino 400 at Kansas Speedway on Sunday, October the 18th. The race should start around 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time with pre-race coverage on NBC Sports Network starting at 2 p.m. Eastern. Radio coverage available on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Now they'll be racing a distance of 400.5 miles over 267 laps. Stage 1 ends on lap 80. Stage two on laps 160, so that's uh, 100. And, I mean, that's 80 laps for each of those stages, and the final stage went on the last lap, lap 267. So that stage should be, I guess, 107 laps. So Jay, uh, Jimmy Johnson's doing some cool things to put a highlight on his foundation this weekend. Yeah. I see this. Uh, Johnson, as well as fellow drivers, to wear uh, visor strips highlighting the Jimmy Johnson Foundation. He's our seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, Jimmy Johnson. 
We'll highlight the Jimmy Johnson Foundation this weekend during the NASCAR Cup Series race at Kansas Speedway by raising awareness for the foundation by sporting a specifically designed Team JJF strip on the visors of their respective helmets. At the conclusion of Sunday's race at Kansas, participating drivers will sign their Team JJF branded visors then the signed visors will be available in an online auction this week prior to the race. I'm sorry, in an online auction the week prior to the race at Phoenix International Raceway. Johnson's final race as a full-time cup driver uh, to raise funds to support K-12 public education. In total, it'll have 27 drivers participating this weekend and wearing the visor in the Kansas race. In addition to Johnson, drivers like Ryan Blaney, Kyle Busch, Matt Benedetto, Austin Dillon, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, and Ryan Newman will all donate their visors for the auction. And I just got to say, you, you hear that list of, of drivers talk about, not that Jimmy Johnson necessarily has many enemies, but team competitors, Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano, Jimmy Johnson, all working for the same cause. I, I know they all have their foundations and support each other, and that is just great to see. It really, really is, and uh, I, I think uh, it's just a testament also to who Jimmy Johnson is as a person. Not only is he a seven-time cup champion, uh, he gives back to his community uh, through his Jimmy Johnson Foundation in a big way, and uh, I think, uh, again, that's just fantastic to see. Now, last year's defending champion, Kyle Bush has a consecutive win streak that uh, just might be in jeopardy. With 56 NASCAR Cup Series wins to his credit, Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch, a two-time Cup Series champion, is a lock to make the NASCAR Hall of Fame. But the Las Vegas native right now is in a winning slump and hasn't visited Victory Lane since the season finale 2019 race at Homestead Miami Speedway. He's putting his 15-year streak of consecutive seasons with a win in the NASCAR Cup Series, the longest current active win streak in jeopardy. Now, Bush right now is tied for the six most seasons with a win in the series at 15, and with NASCAR Hall of Famers Daryl Waltrip, who did it from 75 to 89, Dale Earnhardt from 82 to 96, and Tony Stewart from 99 to 2013. Now, Bush has made 25 Cup Series starts at Kansas Speedway. He has one win in 2016. Uh, that includes seven top fives and 11 top tens. Now, Bush finished 11th place at Kansas Speedway earlier this year. Now, NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty holds the series record for the most consecutive seasons with a victory at 18. He did that from 2000, I'm sorry, from 1960 to 1977. That's just amazing. Uh, behind him, though, is David Pearson with a streak of 17 from 64 to 80. Ricky Rudd in third uh, is tied with Rusty Wallace and Jimmy Johnson. Uh, they all have 16 uh, a, a streak of 16 years, uh, Ricky Rudd from 83 to 98, Rusty Wallace from 86 to 2001, and Jimmy Johnson from 2002 to 2017. 
Daryl Waltrip, Dale Earnhardt, and Tony Stewart, along with Kyle Busch, have streaks of 15 years running. Uh, Waltrip from 75 to 89, Earnhardt from 82 to 96, Stewart from 99 to 2013, and Kyle Busch from 2005 to 2019. So that puts it in perspective of uh, what's in jeopardy this weekend for Kyle Busch. It's unbelievable that we're talking about that, but uh, all streaks do come to an end. And and two of those, uh, from when I really became a fan and got involved in NASCAR, I remember ending, and that's Ricky Rudd's as well as, obviously, uh, Jimmy Johnson's. I'm sorry, three of them. I was a part of Tony Stewart's as well. So, uh, you know, it does happen, a little bit surprising. Um, but if I were to throw something out there, I know Kyle Busch, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win at Phoenix just to uh, get that one in and be a spoiler in the championship hunt. <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about Clint Boyer going to his home track. Now, this has got to probably be a little bit rough on Clint Boyer. As a Kansas native will have his last go at his home track. It was announced last week that Stuart Haas Racing's Clint Boyer would be hanging up his helmet at the conclusion of the 2020 season to pursue a venture in television, joining the Fox Sports team to cover NASCAR in 2021. As a result, that makes this weekend the last time Kansas area fans will have a chance to see their local hero compete at the highest level at his home track. A Boyer has made 24 starts at Kansas, posting three top fives and eight top tens. Though he has yet to win at his home track, his best result on the 1.5-mile speedway was a runner-up finish coming back there in 2007. I'm sure he would like to uh, go out there with a bang. Yeah, without a doubt, uh, that would be a big deal for Clint Boyer to win at his home track. Um, now, Kevin Harvick is looking to make some history this weekend. Or this, over the next four races, if he wins at least one race, to close out 2020, he'll become the 11th driver to win 10 or more races in a single season in the NASCAR Cup Series modern era from 2000, uh, I'm sorry, 1972 to the present. It will be the 17th time, though, in Series modern era uh, that the feat has been accomplished and just the second time by a Ford driver joining NASCAR Hall of Famer Bill Elliott who has 11 wins in 1985. So the last time a driver, uh, the le- last driver to win 10 or more races in a single season was Jimmy Johnson. He did that in 2007. He had 17 victories 13 years ago. Also, NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon holds the record for the most seasons with 10 or more wins. He had three seasons in which he did that. He had 13 wins in 98, 10 wins in 1996, and in 1997. NASCAR Hall of Famer's Richard Petty had 13 wins in a Dodge in 1975, and Jeff Gordon had 13 wins in a Chevrolet again in 1998. They lead the series in wins in a single season during the modern era, that's 72 to the present, with 13 victories each. Petty also holds the NASCAR Cup Series all-time record for the most wins in a single season. This is unbelievable. 27 victories by, by Mr. Petty 
1967. That's almost unbelievable. Well, I know they ran a few more races back in that in that era under under that schedule, but 27 of them still was, like you mentioned, uh, a very unbelievable. All okay. right, we still. Uh, note to throw in here, Kansas sells out the available seats. NASCAR announced this week that all available grandstand in grandstand inventory for the NASCAR Cup Series Hollywood Casino 400 at King Kansas Speedway has been sold out. And I don't know, I don't remember what percentage they had, but whatever was available has sold out. Okay, so that's a pretty big deal. Um so I'm I'm uh, definitely looking forward to seeing the fans in the stands, and I know the drivers are too. Now we're going to go over the uh, driver playoff outlook heading into the round of eight, specifically at Kansas Speedway this weekend. This weekend, none of the postseason contenders can clench a spot into the championship four round, uh, making this week's win and an automatic bid. Uh, so basically I think they're saying here that the only way they're going to clinch a spot this week is if they get a win. Uh, and so uh, punching that ticket is going to be a big deal. Again, let's go two by two. I'll go bottom up, and we'll start with uh, Kurt Busch in that number eight spot. Hold on. I think I scrolled too far down. Okay, Kurt Busch is driving the number one Chip Ganassi Racing Chevrolet, is seated eighth and in the final position in the NASCAR Cup Series playoff standings with 4,006 points. Busch right now is 21 points behind Chase Elliott in that final transfer spot to the championship four round. Busch is also looking to make the playoff for, uh, final round for the first time in his career. The 2004 Series champion has made 29 starts at Kansas, posting one pole, four top fives, and 12 top tens. He also ranks inside the top 15 in key pre-race loop data categories with an average running position of 14.196, that's 12th best, a driver rating of 88.6, 11th best, and 4,301 laps in the top 15, which represents 64.8%. He saw that sixth most. Now, Bush finished ninth in the series, first stop at Kansas earlier this season. Two, you're going to do Alex Bowman? Oh, yeah, I guess I will. Alex Bowman, (laughs) I'm sorry, I I was... uh, Distracted there, I guess. Alex Bowman will be in the number 88 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet. He's seated seventh in the standings at 4,009 points. He also recently signed a new deal to drive for Hendrick Motorsports in the number 48 for the 2021 season. Right now he's 18 points behind his teammate Chase Elliott in that fourth and final transfer spot into the championship four round. And Bowman is looking to make the playoffs final round for the first time in his career. The Arizona native has made 10 series starts at Kansas Speedway. He's posted one top five and four top tens. He also ranks in the top 25 of several key pre-loop categories. Bowman uh, 
has an average running position of 22.106, that's 25th best, a driver rating of 69.8, which is 21st best, and 1,094 laps led in the top 15, that's 40.7%. 18th most, that's 18th the most. Bowman finished top 10, 8th in the Kansas race earlier this season. All right, Martin Truex Jr., the number 19 at Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, enters the round of eight, seated six in the Cup Series playoff standings with 4,017 points. Truex is currently 10 points behind Chase Elliott for that final transfer spot into the championship four. The New Jersey native Truex is looking to make the playoffs final round for the fifth time in his career. The 2017 series champion has made 24 starts at Kansas Speedway, posting two poles, two wins, nine top fives, and 11 top tens. Truex also ranks in the top five of several key pre-race loop data categories, with an average running the position of 11.215, which is fourth best. Driver rating is 100.7, which is fourth best and 4,565 laps in the top 15, which is 71.6%, puts him at third most. Truex led 44 laps and finished third in the Kansas Speedway race earlier this season. Up next is the 22, Team Penske Ford of Joey Logano. He's in that fifth spot, 4,022 points just five behind Chase Elliott in the final, for the final transfer spot of the championship four. Now, Logano is looking to make the playoffs final round for his fourth time of his career. He's already done it in 2014, 16, and 18, which, if you do mathematically, 20 is the next even numbered, so odds of that are in his favor. Logano has made 22 series starts at Kansas, putting up two poles, two wins, seven top fives and eight top tens, he also ranks in the top 15 of several of the key pre-race loop data categories. His average running position is 15.234, which is 13th best. Driver rating is 87.4, which is 12th best. And 3,345 laps in the top 15 for a 56.7%, which puts him at ninth most. Now, Logano will be looking to rebound at Kansas Speedway this weekend, after a disaster showing earlier this season that resulted in a 35th-place finish due to an incident. Okay, next up we have Chase Elliott driving the number 9 Hendrick Motorsports Chevrolet. He's seated fourth and is in the final transfer spot to the championship four. The NASCAR uh, uh, points for him is at 4,027. He's just five points ahead of the cutoff line. Elliott is looking to make the final round of the playoffs for the first time in his career. So he's made nine starts at Kansas, posting one win, four top fives, and five top tens. He also ranks in the top 15 of several key pre-race loop data categories. He has an average running position of 12.583, that's seventh best, a driver rating of 95.2, which is fifth best, and 1,724 laps in the top 15 at 71.3%. That's 14th most. Elliott finished 12th in the series' first stop at Kansas earlier this year. Brad Keselowski driving the number two Team Penske Ford 
arise seated third in the Cup Series playoff points at 4,035. Keselowski is 13 points ahead of the cutoff line and is looking to make the final round for the second time in his career. He did it last in 2017. The Michigan native has made 21 starts at Kansas, posting one pole, two wins, five top fives, and 11 top tens. He also ranks in the top ten in several key loop data categories. With an average running position of 12.645, that's eighth best, a driver rating of 92.8, which is seventh best, 4,057 laps in the top 15, which is 72.1%, that's eighth most, and Keselowski finished runner-up to Denny Hamlin at Kansas Speedway earlier this year. Well, speaking of Hamlin, we'll cover the top two as they've pretty much been atop the board all year. The number 11, Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota, Denny Hamlin, enters the round of eight, seated second with 4,054 points. That puts Hamlin currently 32 points ahead of the championship four cut line, and he's looking to make the final round for just the third time in his career. He did it in 2014 as well as 19. Hamlin has 24 series Kansas starts under his belt, having posted three wins, which is tied for the series most, eight top fives, and nine top tens. His ranking is in the top ten of several key pre-race loop data categories. Average running position of 13.004 puts him at ninth best. The driver rating at a 90.4 is ninth best. And 4,359 laps in the top 15 comes out to 68.4%, which is fifth most. Now, Hamlin has won the last two consecutive races at Kansas Speedway, going back to the 2019 playoffs race as well as earlier this spring in 2020. And he enters this weekend looking to become the first driver in series history to win three in a row. Moving up to the top spot, there we got the number four, Stuart Haas Racing Ford, driven by Kevin Harvick. Now, he enters the round seated first with 4,067 points. That gives him about 45-point margin over the championship four cutoff, and he's looking to make the final round for the sixth time in his career. That goes from 14, 15, and then 17, 18, and 19. Now, Harvick has made 29 series starts at Kansas, posting five poles, which is the series most, three wins, which is tied for the series most, nine top fives, and 16 top tens. He also leads several key categories in the pre-race loop data at Kansas with an average running position of 8.906, which is series best, driver rating a 108.6, way up there, that's a series best, And then 5,351 laps in the top 15 gives him 80.6%, which is the series most. He did finish fourth at Kansas earlier this season. Okay. Uh, We're running out of time here, but I will mention just a few uh, stats here uh, as it relates to uh, Kansas Speedway in the playoffs for the NASCAR Cup Series. Just eight drivers, uh, as we've been talking about, remain in the round of eight. And uh, 
the 2020 season marks the first time that Kansas Speedway has hosted the seventh race in the playoffs and the first race of the round of eight. Since the inception of the playoffs in 2004, Kansas Speedway has occupied five different positions on the playoff schedule. From 2004, 5, 11, and 13, and 14, they hosted the fourth race of the playoffs. From 2006 to 2010, Kansas hosted the third race in the playoffs. And from 15 to 16, Kansas hosted the fifth race of the postseason. Um, From 2012, 17, 18, and 19, Kansas hosted the sixth race in the playoffs. Kansas is also the fourth different track to host the seventh race in the Cup Series playoffs, joining Atlanta Motor Speedway from 2004 to 8, Talladega did it from 2007 to 10, and Martinsville from 2011 to 19. Now, 11 different drivers have won the Cup Series playoff race at Kansas Speedway. Jimmy Johnson in 2008 and 11, Kevin Harvick in 2013 and 16, Joy Logano in 14 and 15, Greg Biffle in 2007 and 10, and Tony Stewart in 2006 and 9. They lead the series in playoff wins at Kansas with two each. We are coming up on the top of the hour, and that means it's just about time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our fan for racing crew. And it sounds like that's going to be me and you, Jay. Well, uh, again, you mentioned we didn't necessarily have any breaking news, but uh, if you want me to start it off, I think the one that's kind of uh, caught my attention, we had talked about it as far as a possibility, but apparently talks between Eric Jones and Richard Petty Motorsports have advanced throughout this week. I know you mentioned a tweet by Eric Jones saying he hoped to have something announced yet this week, and we're running out of time there, but it looks like it might be RPM. Yeah, that kind of surprises me a little bit, Jay, because uh, I kind of was hoping that uh, Eric Jones was going to be going over to either Hendrick Motorsports or Stuart Haas Racing, but RPM, I think, is going to be a good fit for him as well. So I'm not disappointed by it. It just uh, surprises me mildly, I would say, uh, because I think Eric Jones deserves to be in a good seat, and I think he's going to be a great driver in that number 43 car for for Richard Petty Motorsports. Richard Petty has uh, indicated that he kind of uh, wants to up his game, if you will, uh, in that number 43 uh, entry, and I think Eric Jones is just the guy to make that happen, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. But uh, uh, it is interesting to hear that kind of chatter around Derek Jones going to that number 43 car. Now, uh, let's make this official and very, very clear. This is just speculation at this point. It's not a done deal yet, but there's a lot of chatter about it. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? That's right. We're going based off the smoke, not the fire. But, uh, again, where there is smoke, (laughs) there's got to at least be a little bit of flame. Um, when it comes down to it, I think right now it is probably the best available driver available. I really did believe initially when all the butts started getting in the air and we started talking about this, <laughs> I kind of put Daniel Suarez in that in that car for Richard Petty Motorsports. Yeah, that's who I was thinking um, too. Once once he came off the board, like I said, I think the the. I hate to say most talented driver. He has already won at the Cup Series level, so we'll put it that way. 
that that seemed to be the most logical. However, when the Jermaine Racing announced that they were shutting down and Ty Dillon was going to be looking for a ride, the tie with Richard Ch- Richard Childress Racing um, kind of put him up there, if not on level ground with Eric Jones, but maybe even a little bit ahead, just the fact that that would increase the alliance with Richard Childress Racing. So I think it came down to those two. And again, we don't know this as anything official yet, but the talks have increased or advanced, I think is how Adam Stern put it um, this week. So I do think Eric Jones is going to be a great fit there. We have seen, although Bubba Wallace didn't win in his time with the number 43, we saw that advancement. Eric Almirola did win a race or two. I'd have to go back and look at the stats um, with RPM. Uh, But that program has definitely been building in a good direction. It has been slow, but it is still building. And I think having already a winner of Eric Jones and, and one of those of that next opportunity to I don't want to say this. It be his team. Not that the the number twenty at Joe Gibbs Racing wasn't his team, but you're you're talking about battling it out with teammates like Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin. So I think you know he sometimes got kind of got lost in the shuffle, if you will. So being the single driver, or if they happen to expand to a second team mm-hmm. at some point, at least being the top driver, if you will. And I think that that carries a lot of weight with it. Yeah, I think that's going to give him a lot of confidence in that car. Uh, He's not going to be in anybody's shadow at RPM, and uh, I think that's going to give him a real big chance to really show his talent and shine. So I I hope it does come to be. Uh, Like I said, I kind of had him pegged for Stuart Haas Racing or HMS, but uh, I think we'll take it if he goes to RPM. I think it's going to be a great opportunity for him uh, to be uh, proud out loud and to make things happen. So uh, very happy to hear that kind of chatter. Any follow-up, Jay? As it becomes official, like I said, I know uh, you said Eric Jones had the tweet out, and I was trying to look. I didn't find it under his, but um, should you hear something here within the next week or two, I'd think, uh, based on the way it sounds, the talks have been going and his, and his tweet um, that if it doesn't come this week, it should come early next week. And then that still leaves a couple of questions. Again, Ty Dillon, uh, the Hendrick Motorsports empty seat, as well as Stuart Haas Racing's number 14 now with Clint Boyer stepping out. So we still got a few questions to answer. Yes, indeed. Uh, we do indeed. Now, uh, I, I'm still looking. For, I had my uh, topic on hand here, but I've lost it. So uh, why don't you take it the next topic for us, Jay? All right. Well, one of the ones we talked about a little bit earlier in the night of knowing what's going to happen for him next year is Zane Smith with GMS Racing in the truck series. Uh, we talked about the year he has had and in, in battling for the championship yet still in the round of eight, but also then knowing he's going to have another shot at it for next year. Okay. So, uh, I'm sorry, I was looking at something else and I didn't hear everything you said. <laughs> I apologize. I was looking for uh, my, Zane, my Smith uh, yeah. yeah. Zane Smith re-upping with GMS. 
Yes, uh, Zane Smith, I think that's a good move as well. He's shown that he's uh, very talented uh, first year that we've seen him race full-time in the uh, truck series. And uh, I know that Zane Smith has had a lot of talent. I followed him again for, for quite a while, and uh, I'm excited for him to uh, – uh, you could kind of hear it in his voice to have that pressure taken off of him uh, we played some audio earlier in the show of Zane Smith talking about resigning with GMS Racing and how that's taken a lot of the pressure off of him, especially as he contends in the playoffs for the championship. So uh, I'm, I'm real happy for Zane. I think this is a good move for GMS Racing, and uh, I think Zane's going to have a fantastic season uh, next year in this truck series, and it's not going to surprise me at all if he's not contending for that championship again next season. Two different aspects to it. First off, with him returning to the truck series, a second year with GMS Racing I think is great. For, for that team, for that series. I will say, however, he is one that I think doing what he has done in his rookie year, we've seen it before where the truck series, especially it's kind of a one and done move on type series. The problem is, is moving to the Xfinity series. There isn't really a spot available with GMS racing. And I have a little bit of hope that maybe if he continues to do what he's done this year into next year, that GMS Racing might look at returning to the Xfinity Series in 2022 and keeping him under their banner uh, and moving back into the Xfinity Series, which I think would benefit that series as well. Yeah, I would love to see that happen if they were to uh, bring them back into uh, GMS Racing, back into the Xfinity Series. Uh, They did race in the Xfinity series a few years ago uh, and had some discussions about the possibility of moving into the Cup series. Uh, that seemed to go sour and did not happen uh, as they cut back into just the truck series. Uh, but I think it would be a great move for them to advance back into the Xfinity series. Uh, and I do think that Zane Smith, is uh, definitely a driver that could help them make that happen. Uh, And the more successful drivers they can have, and they've had quite a few, uh, the more likely it is that we'll see those kind of things happen, Jay. Yeah, like I said, I I was excited about the possibility of them moving to Cup. They said that wasn't going to happen, but then when they pulled out of the Xfinity Series, because, again, that was another program that we saw – build to a consistent Mm -hmm. level top 15 to top 10 they weren't a winning organization yet but they were up there contending um and that was really exciting to see unfortunately for whatever the reason they they opted to pull back put all their effort into the truck series and that worked for them they got uh how many are in the championship for our gms racing trucks so uh Mm -hmm. obviously that paid off from that end but like I said, if we saw him move back into the Xfinity Series in uh, 2022, along with a driver like Zane Smith, I think they could get right back to that top 10, even into the top five and contending team fairly quickly. Yeah, let's not forget it, too, that Sam Mayer, who has won back-to-back championships in the uh, 
uh, well, last year the K&N Pro Series East, this year the Arkham Menard Series East uh, with GMS Racing. So they have some uh, good driver development going on there, bringing these guys up from uh, this Arkham Menard Series group into the truck series. And Sam Mayer, uh, at just 17 years of age right now, he'll be turning 18 at some point next year, and that's going to be great because then he'll start racing full-time when that happens. He's racing with Junior Motorsports next year um, with the uh, Xfinity Series uh, part-time until he turns 18. So uh, GMS Racing has proven themselves to be really good at driver development uh, when you when you consider some of these drivers that are moving up with them. And uh, I think uh, for them to expand would be an, a really, really good thing. Now, I found the hot topic that I was looking for here. Um, NASCAR has, the way they phrase this, this is from the Sports Business Journal, uh, NASCAR has paused its advertising relationship with Barstool Sports as a result of a COVID-forced adjustment on marketing and sensitivities around social justice protests this summer. The two sides first aligned in early 2019. So just an interesting tweet from the Sports Business Journal. Uh, They had uh, developed a a partnership, I guess, if you will. It's not a partnership like uh, we're talking uh, a titles partnership, but uh, they did have a, a, a... uh, secondary level partnership, I guess you'd say, maybe even a third level uh, relationship with Barstool Sports. Uh, but that's on pause right now, Jay. Uh, are you familiar with Barstool uh, at all? I am a little bit. Uh, I know they can be a little bit on the uh, edge and maybe over the edge sometimes. And I think that maybe is what led to this. And, and that's kind of my thought. Again, I'm not a, I'm not a follower of them. I have watched some of their stuff. I know who they are. And that was kind of my thought. And you never really saw it develop. And I think there's a reason for that. I don't think that it necessarily fit with NASCAR's platform and how they wanted to go about it. You know, if occasionally they'd have on say Clint Boyer, he'd mesh in with them for that one episode or, or whatever, but I don't think that's the direction NASCAR necessarily wanted to go as a whole marketing plan. And, and I think maybe they just couldn't come to a in-between agreement on it. Uh, obviously, they are who they are, and it works for them, and they're successful. NASCAR is who they are, and they're successful. They just couldn't come together in a compromise a platform. And this is my opinion on it, just knowing the two mm-hmm. different different styles, if you will. Uh, I think you and I are on the same track with that. I, it just they weren't both on on the same thought process and page as far as how to go about marketing, and that happens. You know, uh, you know, you initially thought that it would be a good mesh for the two of them. It's another outlet. I just don't think that it, they mesh between the two of them. Not that either side is right or wrong in how they go about it. They're just different. Right. It's a different style of presentation in barstool. Uh, I agree with you. It just wasn't a good match with what NASCAR's uh, values and and uh, presentation style is all about. And uh, I think there's a couple of controversies that happened over the past year. And so uh, 
NASCAR doesn't necessarily invite controversy. I know I saw some tweets uh, calling for NASCAR to end their relationship with Barstool. But I I think it's just interesting that they're calling it a pause. Uh, And they're not saying that they've ended their relationship. They're just pausing it right now. So I don't know if NASCAR maybe is looking at Barstool Sports as a means of uh, recruiting a different type of market (laughs) uh, and expanding their base or what that pause really means. Uh, And that's what's confusing to me. Uh, I would think it would would be stated as ending the relationship versus pausing it. But I think you're right. I I think that there is a problem with uh, the two styles really being compatible. And uh, I think that uh, maybe they're considering it at this point. But uh, to say that they're pausing it was just kind of an interesting presentation of that. I get get the feeling there again. This is just my opinion on it from the outside. Don't know anything about the contract or what the agreement was was that maybe they're looking at whether or not one end held up the other end uh, part of their bargain. And this goes both ways. I'm not taking one side or the other. Um, Or that if they are now saying, hey, this isn't quite working for us, how do we get out of the agreement uh, and split amicably, you know, rather than than going through a a lawsuit or anything like that, which, again, NASCAR doesn't like to have to go through. Um, And I'm sure Barstool, again, that – with the way they're set up that they may be, may be more used to it or whatever. Um, but like you said, I, I just don't think the two programs necessarily aligned in the same direction. So they, they may be looking at that of maybe once a week or something that Barstool will do something a little different when they're doing the NASCAR portion of it. Or like I said, mm-hmm. that they're trying to figure out how they can come to an agreement to end the relationship uh, amicably. Yeah, that's a good point, Jay, and I think it's probably a little bit more on track uh, and and on the mark there that uh, there could be that they're looking at uh, all the legalities of ending the relationship. Uh, But it's interesting as well that it was really announced almost a month ago uh, by El Presidente, I guess, (laughs) Uh, stool president uh, Dave Portnoy last night or last month uh, reported it on a podcast that uh, the relationship was not active. So that forced NASCAR to be able to come out and make uh, not necessarily a statement, but make a tweet uh, letting people know that they paused that relationship. Uh, And that makes sense, Jay, that it's maybe over legal jargon, if you will, on how they can end the relationship uh, amicably. And, uh, you know, let's hope that that is indeed what happens. Any well, and the, and the fact that it, if, if you take it again, and this might be the, the wrong way to look at it, but it is kind of how I'm seeing it, especially being that you mentioned that the, the president of Barstool is the one that fired the first shot, if you will, um, about them mm-hmm. not being active or utilizing them. Like they're saying, hey, you're not holding up your end. Uh, of it what we agreed upon so again we don't know we're not involved in the contract negotiations or know exactly what the agreement was but obviously they're 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 not on the same page so again sometimes it's best to just say hey it didn't work out and go your separate ways 
that's uh, true. Words were never spoken. <laughs> so what's your next hot topic, Jay? Well, this is one that uh, I had on the other night. I know we never got to, and I am trying to find the tweet on it from Adam Stern. Here we go. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. has started a private charter plane company, and on top of flying drivers to races, it also flies human organs and surgical teams for transplant missions. Uh, Another wonderful thing that a driver's doing, obviously it benefits the teams that he works with or anybody else that needs assistance. I know teams always work together with that, but to also have it for the medical profession on that of transporting organs and uh, possibly patients that need transport. Yeah, Martin Trex Jr. for a long time has done a lot of really good things through uh, the Martin Truex Junior Foundation, uh, but also as the owner of his own uh, flying organization. Uh, I forget exactly what the name of it is, uh, but it's a private charter plane company uh, by Martin Truex Jr., and uh, the fact that they're doing this to fly human organs for surgical teams and transplant missions, I think that's fantastic. Uh, Martin Truex Jr. has a heart. And uh, he really uh, demonstrates that with a lot of the work that he does uh, with through his foundation and now through his company, uh, which is this airline uh, private charter group uh, and everything that they do. So uh, I think it's a great uh, cause that he's gotten behind here. Well, and I can give a little bit of information. Unfortunately, our two uh, aviation experts uh, from that yeah. would be able to help out here, but they're not on tonight. Uh, oh, now I closed it. Oh, there we go. Uh, it is called, I lost it again, MTJ Aviation. And okay, they acquired a Hawker 400 XP back in 2014. And I can't answer as to what exactly that is. I know they're looking at transitioning to the Cessna Citations, which that one I am yeah. familiar with would would be a, a similar to a Learjet um, for that use. So, like I said, tonight would be the night to have our two aviation experts on here. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking when I saw that news, Jay, about our two aviation experts. We're talking Andy and Mike. Uh, if either of them would consider becoming. Uh, at some point in their careers, a uh, private uh, pilot for for Martin Truex Jr. I think that would be pretty cool. That would certainly be something cool to have on your (laughs) resume, most certainly. Yes, indeed. Okay, do you have anything more you wanted to say about it? No, I'm not again. You mentioned it as the things that Martin Truex does with his foundation. not to say others don't, but I do think that Martin Truex is one of the, the top ones as far as that, I believe anyway. I know they all have certain, um, what do you call it, the programs that they gear Charity. and orient towards. I know Jeff Jeff Gordon's was with the Bone Marrow. Uh, we talked about the Jimmy, John, Jimmy Johnson Foundation, what he's doing for uh, public schooling. Uh, Joey Logano's... Uh, and Brad Keselowski, I know I'd do a lot for the military as far as that. So, But this is a great one to see to add it to that list. Yeah, I know uh, Martin Truex does a lot for kids. 
and uh, uh, you know he is uh, somebody who is uh, very sensitive to that and uh, really donates a lot uh, to families and to kids. So uh, and and to see him interacting with some of these kids is just uh, incredible as well. He's he's really a great ambassador. So okay, let's. Uh, I'm out of topics. So what do you have next? Oh, this one um be interesting, especially since it's just you and I. What happened to Harrison Burton this year from where he started? Oh, dear. <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> I'm going to put you right on the spot. <laughs> yeah, he started out the year so great. He got those two wins, and it just seems like when he came back from the pandemic, it just wasn't the same. Uh and I've got a feeling that he's one of those drivers like like uh, Kyle Busch who uh, suffered from not having the practice session and the qualifying sessions that they're so used to having in these series. Uh, so to me, it seems like there's a definite mark there from before the pandemic and after the pandemic. And uh, when they, when NASCAR changed some of the rules in how they uh, approach a race weekend, trying to get it down to just the one day. Uh, the sad part of this is that it seems like, uh, you know, when one thing happens, it evolves to another thing, and that's what's happening with NASCAR. I think that this pandemic has made one-day racing kind of uh, what it's going to be. Uh, for at least the near future, if not the long-term future. I think they've seen a lot of benefits to to keeping things to the one day. So drivers like Kyle Busch and Harrison Burton are going to have to figure this out, how they're going to uh, get their cars better. when. And it's not Harrison Burton. It's the team that has to really work together with Harrison to get those cars ready off the truck on race day so that uh, they don't run into uh, – kind of stalemating his career uh, as a result of this. And we've seen it happen with the best, you know, one of the best drivers uh, that we've seen, Kyle Busch. So it's not unreasonable to see it happening with uh, a driver who really started out very well this season in the Xfinity Series with Harrison Burton, who, by the way, is racing with the Toyota uh, for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Um, in the Xfinity Series, or for Joe Gibbs Racing, I guess it is. But uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports is is pretty much related to um, <clears throat> Joe Gibbs Racing. The the one thing though that I found odd about that, and again, he did have a phenomenal start in those first uh, what was it four or five races that they got in before the break. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. it seemed like we were talking about possibly going to have a rookie champion uh, when it came to the end, but that's why you run the whole season. The one thing that kind of throws me, and, and thanks to you, Sharon, got that opportunity to, to see him in action several times here at Memphis uh, International Speedway. What amazed me, and this goes back to when he was battling with Todd Gillen for the Arkham Menards, well, at that time, K&N East Series, was that he mm-hmm. seemed to be one that would control it during the race. Uh, you know, other drivers, you see them burn up their equipment, their lap times start falling off, the tire wear. And he was one mm-hmm. that always had the equipment at the end when it was needed. So, And I know, again, that step up to the next level, the Xfinity Series is a little bit different. 
but coming out the gate so strong. And, and then, as you mentioned, one thing adds to another throughout the season. He kind of got into a little couple of scuffles with uh, uh, Noah Gregson. It just seemed like the frustration or that lack of their performance kind of going in a downward spiral that added on top of happened to be running next to Noah, having a couple issues with him that it all kind of kept building and obviously still ending the year with a great season, especially for a rookie does have the two wins to hang his hat on, which is no shame. Uh, But it certainly wasn't what we kind of projected at least after those first couple of races. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, Harrison Burton throughout his career has been a driver uh, one of those drivers that can take a, a bad situation with his car and get the very most out of it. And uh, you're right. He takes care of his car throughout the race uh, so that he's there at the end to uh, contend for the win uh, and always has been that kind of a driver. Uh, that he's, It's not that he's not racing. It's that he's not taking those chances while he's racing that uh put him in a position of uh of um not making it you know what i'm saying making it to be there at the end so here's the other thing that i think could be happening because uh he takes care of his his car because he's a gentleman um like his dad his dad was a gentleman on the racetrack for the most part uh there are a couple of exceptions but I think for the most part, uh, that's kind of the way that family does goes about their business. And uh, I think the competition in this Xfinity series has become a little more on the edge, if you will. Uh, they've been a lot more aggressive, and uh, it's made the racing in that series a lot more competitive. And if that's not your driving style to race on the edge like that, uh, it could make it very difficult to be able to compete with those drivers who are racing on the edge, like a driver, like a driver like Noah Gregson. He consistently races on that edge, and and we are at that point of the show that I really need to uh, make the announcement for any new listeners uh, that may be tuning in tonight. We go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, but we do continue recording the rest of the conversation, and that's available on our podcast as part of our bonus overtime material. I'll go out on Twitter when we the show tonight to let folks know that uh, the podcast is available at that point, you can go to one of our players uh, that's available at fanforacing.com and just fast forward to the two-hour mark to be able to hear that re- the rest of that conversation. Of course, podcast listeners will be able to listen straight through. Again, we like to make this announcement at this time just especially for those people who are listening for the first time and don't know that this is what happens. So with that, Jay... What are your thoughts? Is it the competition level that maybe uh, is not compatible uh, for drivers like Harrison Burton? Yeah, uh, you definitely have that, especially uh, you mentioned Noah Gregson. Ross Jastain is the other one that kind of came to my mind. Um, that, that certainly could be part of it. It just seemed like uh, that team kind of fell off 
Whereas I look at just within the Joe Gibbs Racing uh, organization, though, you had drivers of Riley Herbst. I know he's had a couple incidences himself. But Brandon Jones having what I would call a breakout year, and he's kind of been one of the opposite of you think he's going to have a good race and he doesn't seem to finish, and all of a sudden he's up there now, and we're talking about him as possibly being a championship four contender and we've seen that in other drivers as well, of all of a sudden hitting that maturity of, hey, i got to finish races, you know, and be consistent, and then I'll start doing better. So it was almost like that rubbed off from Harrison Burton on to those two drivers, and Harrison Burton kind of lost it, which I find kind of ironic. Yeah, it is kind of ironic, uh, you know, when you think about it. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens next season. Uh, we know that Noah Gregson's going to be back in that uh, number nine car for Junior Motorsports next season. Uh, they did resign him. I, I really think that was in question at some points throughout this season. Uh, but uh, uh, we'll see how Noah Gregson continues to develop in his career as well. Because uh, I do think that. Uh, while you want a driver to drive on the edge, Noah Gregson was wrecking a lot of cars. And at some point, he's going to have to come to that point where uh, he kind of takes care of his equipment as well. But it makes it hard on some of these other drivers that have consistently done that. You're right, and he was one that he's one that you would have to put under that category of needs to learn that little bit of maturity, you know. And we've seen other drivers go through it. Tyler Reddick was another one mm-hmm. of running that ragged edge and tearing up cars uh, can cost you in the long run. And I think he did settle down a little bit and then found his groove. He's back to running up front. Hasn't won since he also got two wins earlier in the year. Um, we haven't seen him win yet as of late. But you're also talking about the guys that are winning are the ones that have been up there all year. So, uh, again, you got to be on top of your game at all times if you're going to compete with the likes of Chase Briscoe and Austin Sidrick. Yes, without a doubt. <laughs> okay, what else have you got, Jay? Well, i got one other topic and then a couple of congratulatory things that we'll mention here to end the show. But looking at the Cup Series, in the last round at least, I know the first round Kevin Harvick still had a win, but it seems like Harvick has kind of settled into a coast mode versus Denny Hamlin, who's still been obviously very aggressive winning at Talladega, although not in the most aggressive way. We talked about that of riding in the back until the end. (laughs) Um, But it just seemed like he's been up there in the top five more than Harvick has in these last several races. And what your thoughts were on the two different kind of approaches in these final rounds. Again, we expect both of them, whether it be on points or not, to get into the championship four and be battling for the championship. Well, you know, Denny Hamlin went through a little bit of a lull here, too, coming into the to the uh, playoffs. Uh, there was a, a period of races there where he kind of cooled off a little bit. And then when the when the playoffs began, uh, it was maybe two or three races in that he started to heat up again. We talked about it earlier this year. How long can these guys go with the streaks that they had? Uh, is it possible that they could cool off during the playoffs? And it certainly is possible. However, when you look at uh, Kevin Harvick's stats, and we just talked about it earlier on the show when we were doing the preview, uh, just how hot of a hand 
Kevin Harvick is at tracks like Kansas Speedway. Now, he didn't win there this la- the last time they were there this season, uh, but he certainly has the stats uh, to be a contender there this weekend uh, going into this round of eight. I I don't know. I, I just think that Kevin Harvick has been on a uh, <clears throat> banner year kind of season, and he seems to be very, very, very good at a lot of these 1.5-mile tracks. So it's not going to surprise me uh, if he doesn't win this. I mean, it, it will surprise me if he doesn't win uh, this weekend at Kansas. I think he's going to be uh, a top contender there this weekend. If he's not, then I'll be willing to concede that maybe he's cooled off and and maybe our thoughts about him being the champion this year um, might not be as uh, hot as it was earlier this year. And uh, But it is extremely hard to keep this going for the entire season like they have been doing. And we talked about how he could be making history and breaking some records for himself um, if he gets that 10th win at some point in these next four races. Well, the, the one thing I look at, and not that Harvick, I know he has had his uh, run-ins with different drivers, but not that one, he's one that all, ever has a lot of enemies on the track. But when you talk about Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, or going back at Matt Kenseth and Joey Logano, of maybe here kind of in the playoffs, just making sure he doesn't uh, aggravate anybody to affect him down the stretch. You know, that's kind of kind of what I was thinking of. Hamlin has had a couple of run-ins and a, and a couple of situations, not any major ones like we had with Chase Elliott back uh, a few years back. But he's kind of taken that uh, just fly under the radar, get into Phoenix, and then go after it type approach because mm-hmm. uh, we've seen it cost drivers in the past. Uh, again, you don't necessarily have to have friends out there, but you certainly don't want enemies. Well, and that's certainly a very good point. You know, I listened to some of his or maybe I read it, some of what he talked about in the media availability uh, earlier this week. And he talks a little bit about different things that he's done to keep his name at the forefront. And, and some of that is in years when he wasn't necessarily running as well as he would like to be running. It was uh, to create some kind of controversy. And, uh, you know, Kevin Harvick is a promoter at heart. So he knows how to make these things work for for his benefit. And um, uh, this year he's keeping his name out front with nine victories, the most of, the, uh, of any other driver in the Cup Series this year. So, and, and he talks about that, like I said, in that media availability. I don't think he's done yet. I think he still has a win or two uh, up his sleeve. And you're right, he he just might be coasting a little bit. Uh, I don't necessarily like to see that. But he he's uh he is not uh he's not uh, winning like he was earlier. And uh he's contending. I think he's up there in the top five. He's been up there uh contending but uh, he's not getting the same finishes. But we'll see what happens at Kansas. To me, Kansas is going to be the tell-all uh, because it is a 1.5-mile track. 
where he's been really good. He's good on a lot of different types of tracks. But if he's not doing it on the 1.5 milers, uh, then I think uh, there could be a problem there. Uh, but again, the racing has been a little bit more aggressive in the Cup Series as well, especially during the playoffs and especially the closer we get to that uh, final final race at Phoenix. Well, and that's where, like I said, I kind of got that feeling that maybe he just wanted to stay out of all the all the issues and, and have a clean yeah. run if that meant the 5th to 10th place. Again, he does have his playoff points that he has built up. Uh, and I think you're right. We might see it again. He comes out, wins Kansas. He kind of stay out of everybody else's way in the next two mm-hmm. and come back again at Phoenix, which we know, I know it's been under the Richard Childress uh, days that he was so dominant at Phoenix, but I don't think he's lost anything there necessarily either. They just haven't quite found it with the Ford um, with Stuart Haas racing, but there'd be no better time to find it back. Yeah, I agree with you. And, uh, it, that's exactly what I think could happen. Kevin Harvick is probably going to win, uh, if not Kansas, then perhaps Texas, uh, in order to move on. And then, uh, you know, he'll do whatever he can do to win that win at, uh, get that win at Phoenix for the championship. Um, I think he's been probably the most consistent driver all year long overall. Uh, I don't have any stats to back that up, but if you compare uh, what Kevin Harvick has done to what Denny Hamlin has done, I think that Denny Hamlin's had a little more of the ups and downs where Kevin Harvick has uh, had just a little more of that consistency. So we'll see what happens. Certainly do think, like you said, Kansas will be the first very specific uh example of that of where they're exactly at and running at yeah and i think he'd like to get that pressure off of them uh for these next two races and and like you say maybe save up that energy for that phoenix race okay uh i know you've got some more um, maybe another topic before the announcements no actually that was the actual uh let me look down here yeah, that was actually the okay. last topic I thought to to have to discuss for tonight. Okay, I think I know what the two announcements are. We've had one marriage, uh, a birth, and an and, uh, a uh, expected ex- expected birth. <laughs> that, that was that would be from? it. I know we've yep we've we've occasionally had to end end our show on a bad note or talking about something not good. Uh, tonight we can end end it on a couple of really good things. Okay. Well, I'll I'll do the first one, which is a congratulations to John Hunter Nemechek and Taylor. Uh him and his girlfriend were recently married. Uh so that's John Hunter and Taylor Nemechek now. The couple are actually expecting their first child sometime in March. So that was pretty good news that uh, came out on Twitter this week. Well, and the other one was an actual birth announcement. Uh, it was announced on the latest episode of the Dale Jr. Download that he and his wife, Amy, are parents again. Amy gave birth to their second daughter, Nicole Lorraine, on Monday. So congratulations to the Earnharts as well as the Nemechek's. Yes, indeed. I saw a video of uh, uh, 
Isla Rose singing happy birthday to her dad on October the 10th, which is his birthday. And it was so adorable, uh, the two of them together on, you know, celebrating his birthday. And now to have another daughter born just two days later, how fantastic is that? Most certainly uh, one of those experiences I only experienced uh, once, but uh, I can't imagine uh, having two uh, beyond my years at this point, but (laughs) one's one's good. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Well, Jay, it's been a lot of fun with you tonight. I think we've covered a lot of uh, uh, territory here uh, as it relates to racing over the weekend and uh, definitely looking forward uh, to all of the racing this weekend, again, starting with the season finale tomorrow night uh, with the Arca Menard Series. And uh, that race should be taking place, uh, it says 9 p.m. Central Time here, but I think we said an earlier time this morning, or the, earlier. Let me look that up again. <clears throat> The Arkham Menard Series is racing at Kansas Speedway. Uh, yes, it is much earlier than 9 p.m. It's at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern Time uh, tomorrow and FS1. So do not miss that race. That is the season finale, and it's a very tight competition between Michael Self and Brett Holmes. Uh, then, of course, we've got all three of NASCAR's top three racing at Kansas Speedway. Uh, The trucks will also be racing on uh, Friday as well as the, uh, no, actually the trucks and the uh, Xfinity race are both happening on Saturday with the Cup Series race on Sunday. So uh, again, definitely looking forward to that. And uh, uh, let's go ahead and do our roundtable, Jay. All right. Well, you can follow me on Facebook under Michael Hoosman, MoparMJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And this weekend, uh, turns out I won't be working at Jackson Motor Speedway. The hometown track here, Magnolia Motor Speedway, home of the Black Ice, is running the Golden Egg Nationals 15 minutes across town from me, but I won't be there either, as it looks like I'll be headed up to Clay Hill, Speedway, the track not for the week in Atwood, Tennessee, and doing some work up there for them. So, going to do a little bit of driving and a couple days of racing, and then have to drive back, I guess. So, put some put some <laughs> well, miles on my own vehicle. Weather. I hope you have some pretty good. No, weather I hope so. That Appreciate it. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, I am fan for racing site on Twitter and fan for racing blog and radio everywhere else including fanforacing.com. We do have uh, Sam uh, Bornhorst uh, recaps that we post on Monday. Look for that this coming Monday as well as last Monday. And then I'm expecting a Casher Pass uh, article from Owen. That should be coming out this week uh, for the uh, race at Kansas. And uh, I don't know if I have any other articles coming from you guys. Uh, but I know I've got a pending article on on Martin Truex Jr. Uh, I'd really like to get that out this weekend, if at all possible. And uh, uh, if not this weekend, I promise you I'm going to get it out before this round of eight ends. 
so I definitely want to get that article out. Um, and uh, I want to do a shout-out to all of our listeners for tuning in. We do appreciate you taking the time to take your time uh, to listen to what it is we have to say on a weekly basis here at Bamp Racing Radio. We have the show coming up on Monday uh, starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time with Hot Topics at 9.30. And, uh, of course, next Thursday, I don't think we have any conflicts there. I think we're still good for Thursday night's show. Yes, at 7.30 p.m., 8.30 p.m. Eastern with Hot Topics at 10 p.m. So 9.30 for Hot Topics on Monday, 10 o'clock on, on Thursday. And... Um, Definitely looking forward to the racing this weekend. So I think we're ready to call it a wrap, Jay. All right. Well, have a good weekend, and we will talk to you on Monday. Okay. Everybody enjoy the race weekend. Good night now. Good night. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.